Immerse yourself in rich biblical history and Christian heritage with Vision Tours. Exploring Australia, the Holy Lands and other global destinations. Forge bonds of lasting friendship as you fellowship with like-minded believers and discover a new richness in your faith in Christ and a broader understanding of the world's Christian heritage. Enjoy the fellowship of a lifetime with Vision Tours. Explore upcoming tour packages at vision.org.au slash tours. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The fact is that the last supper that Jesus had with his disciples was a Passover Seder, as we call it, a Passover service. And it's for very good reason that Jesus chose the Passover as the last supper. Easter for many is a time of reflection and prayer as we remember the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our guest today is Lawrence Hirsch, founder and executive director of Celebrate Messiah Australia. They aim to communicate the gospel in a culturally relevant way to Jewish people here in Australia and around the world by raising the truth that one can be Jewish and believe in Yeshua. Join us today as we discuss Easter from a Jewish perspective with my wife Kate and myself Brett Ryan for Focus on the Family Australia. Well, welcome once again to the program, Lawrence. Thank you so much, Brett, and hello uh, to you too, Kate. Lovely to have you back again. Well, if you remember back when you were a little boy, how did you celebrate Passover in your Jewish family? Passover was probably one of the highlights of the year, probably the festival that we loved the most in our family, probably uh, two or three main festivals that really bring people together. Passover will be one of them, and uh, the Feast of Trumpets or Rosh Hashanah is another one, and then the Day of Atonement, which is the most solemn occasion, but it's always completed with a feast. When I look back, Passover was always the highlight, and um, every festival comes with its own smells, in the kitchen, of course, (laughs) and um, thinking of my mum cooking the uh, chicken soup with matzah balls, which is traditional for Passover, and um, something I didn't like that much was gefilte fish, it made a very fishy smell, Uh, but then the main course at Passover was, uh, it's still our favourite, my wife and I learned all the recipes from my mother, and now we do them again for our family. Um, the main one being simmers, which is a uh, hot roasted beef with uh, lots of lovely sweet vegetables. So every festival had special taste, no more so than Passover itself. So it was a highlight and uh, we all come together. Uh, my grandparents, uncle and aunt and close family we all get together and it can be a long night Passover. A traditional Passover might even go for three to five hours before you get to eat. Oh, wow. And if you're a little boy, you are very, very hungry. It was like torture. <laughs> but fortunately, my parents speeded things up a bit. My grandfather would slow them down. My parents would speed it up. <laughs> so we'll skip through a few pages of the Haggadah, Italian of the Passover, and get to the food a little quicker. So uh, I certainly didn't mind in those days getting to the food faster. But um, lots of fun and a lot of really wonderful memories. So you were talking about the reading was that the thing that took a long time? And, and what was it actually specifically saying? For really three and a half thousand years or so, we've been telling the story of Passover. And so from the very first Passover in Egypt, and even in the biblical era, there was this telling of the story. And in fact, the Bible tells us that we ought to pass the story on to the next generation. 
and answer the questions that the children ask. And so there's a verse in the Bible that says that when your children ask you what is the meaning of these decrees and laws, then you tell them it is because of what the Lord has done for me with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm when he redeemed us out of Egypt. So that's actually in the Bible. And so from all these stories and traditions, even in the Bible, the rabbis uh, wrote down a storytelling, which is now compiled into what's called the Haggadah. Mm -hmm. Haggadah means the telling. Even by the time of Jesus, there was a primitive version of the Haggadah that was used for the telling of the story. And of course, over the last 2,000 years, there's been more tradition, more storytelling being added. So a traditional Haggadah is quite a lengthy document today. And of course, every family will choose whether they'll go through the entire one or not. Mm-hmm. But it does give you the storytelling and also, very importantly, the question. Because in the night of Passover... There are four special questions that the children ask, and then the parents and the elders have to answer those questions. So they're actually, they're the questions that the children must ask, and then they continue the story. Exactly. So the Haggadah really is commentary centered upon those questions, and so the rest of the night is given over to the storytelling. So I can remember four questions just uh, right now. It's, uh, why is this night different from all other nights? Uh, Why on this night do we eat? unleavened bread? Why on this night do we eat bitter herbs? And why on this night do we dip our vegetables in salt water? And so uh, they're strange questions, and each of those symbols are actually object lessons of the story of Passover. And so as you eat the matzah, you tell the story of why we eat the matzah or the unleavened bread. When you eat the herbs dipped into salt water, you tell the story of why we do that. Mm -hmm. For instance, the uh, herbs are green, and it reminds us about life, and we dip it into salt water because it reminds us of tears. And that reminds us of the Israelites who were slaves in Egypt. And their lives were made full of tears because of the slavery that they endured. Mm. So, you know, every food that we eat has a story to it. And that's how we've been passing on the story from generation to generation for literally thousands of years. That's absolutely beautiful. Many people have heard of the Passover and understand that it was such a a significant part of the Israelite story of leaving Egypt, but they don't necessarily know the connection between the Passover and the Last Supper. Can you give us a little bit more information about that connection? The fact is that the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples was a Passover Seder, as we call it, a Passover service. And it's for very good reason that Jesus chose the Passover as the Last Supper. Because uh, the Passover and its story, the story of the redemption of the Israelites out of Egypt, is uh, really the basis of the story of our redemption through faith in Jesus, the Passover Lamb. And so the symbols of Passover, the story of Passover, all prophetically point towards the Messiah. And so it's not by chance in any way that Jesus died at the time of the Feast of Passover, and he was buried and rose again during the Passover week. It's all for very good reason, and biblically speaking, it's a fulfillment of prophecy and of uh, God's timetable and his prophetic plan of salvation for the world. Mm. So, uh, yes, the Last Supper was a Passover, and Jesus sat around that Passover table with his disciples. They were telling the story of Passover. They were eating the symbolic food. And that's the time when Jesus took the bread and he took the wine and he said, this is my body which is given for you. This is my blood that has been shed for you because it fits in so wonderfully to the Passover story 
But also, Jesus brought added meaning to Passover because of his death and resurrection. So uh, it's a, a wonderful uh, object lesson of God's redemption for his people. Hence the connection between Passover and Easter. Exactly. Easter became a celebration probably in the, the 2nd and 3rd century, or even up into the 4th century, really instituted officially as the time to remember the death, burial, and resurrection. But in the very early church, of course, they did that during the time of Passover because that's the time that Jesus came into Jerusalem and where he, in fact, had Last Supper was in Jerusalem and then, of course, put on the cross in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. buried in Jerusalem and rose from the dead in Jerusalem too. And so the whole story of Easter, the death, burial, and resurrection is found within the story of Passover as it was originally celebrated. The whole of the Passover points us to Jesus. That's what I understand now. <laughs> yes. How did you transition from doing the Passover in a Jewish upbringing, and now you can actually see the Passover, how it points over from a Messianic Jew's point of view, you know, how does it point to Jesus now? And seeing that, there must have been a, quite an eye-opening experience. Oh, it's just an incredible experience, uh, a complete change of your paradigm. And, uh, yeah, definitely like uh, the light just switched on because the whole Passover became a living story of redemption for me, not just telling of the redemption that happened thousands of years ago yeah. out of Egypt, as important and as, as foundational that deliverance was to the people of Israel and to the Jewish people. It became even more significant to me when I realized that through faith in Jesus the Messiah, I was personally being redeemed from yeah, my sin. It's beautiful. I was personally coming out of bondage into freedom and uh, able to now worship the God of Israel because of my salvation that I've experienced. That, uh, it changed everything. It enlightened everything. So now when I'm telling the story of Passover, it's not a historical story of redemption. It's a personal story of redemption. Yeah. And um, there is actually encouragement in the Haggadah that we must take the story of Passover personally as if we were the slaves in Egypt. But, you know, that's the ideal. But really for me, it only became reality when I recognized that that Jesus was my Messiah and that he died on the cross for my sins and uh, rose from the dead, ensuring forgiveness and the promise of eternal life. And that brought such meaning to Passover. And it's a very obvious and clear analogy which uh, just so encourages me still today. That's wonderful. So how does that then, now that you see that as your redemption, how does it affect your celebration of Passover now? Well, we still celebrate in a traditional way uh, with our family. It's a really big night, and uh, we normally have quite a number of people coming to visit, not just our own family, but we often have uh, travellers and uh, friends come and join us, and it's a wonderful traditional night. However, we add in all the messianic parts to it. We Such add as? in the aspects of what Yeshua did for us and uh, the words that he spoke in the Last Supper. Uh, so we have a complete story of redemption, not just from Egypt to the Promised Land, but all the way through to Golgotha and uh, also understanding the redemption that we have through Jesus. And there are some other celebrations, for instance, at Passover that we do. Traditionally, at Passover, you have a special place left untouched for the prophet Elijah. And this is like a very moving part of the evening. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, you ask the youngest person in the house to go to the front door and invite Elijah 
to come in. You've got a chair for Elijah, a cup of wine, and a place sitting for Elijah, and everyone then sings a song welcoming Elijah to come in. Wow. And it's a tradition that we've done for thousands of years, waiting for Elijah to come. The reason for this is because the prophet Malachi tells us that Elijah will come as a forerunner to the Messiah. Right. So before the days of Messiah, Elijah will come to prepare the way. So every year, Jewish people are praying and hoping that Elijah will come. They invite him into the Seder, hoping that he'll come and bring news of the Messiah coming as well. And so we do that. However, the difference for us as Messianic Jews is that we know Elijah has already come in the ministry of John the Baptist. John the Baptist came in preparation for the Messiah, and even his father recognized that his son was going to be one who comes to prepare the way for the Mashiach, for the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And John did that. And when Jesus was asked about John, he said, well, if you care to accept it, he is the Elijah, the one who was to come. Of course, he wasn't Elijah himself. He came in the ministry and the power of Elijah, and John came to prepare for the coming of Messiah yep. and the revelation of the Messiah. So now, as Messianic Jews, we celebrate the fulfillment, that we don't have to wait. We, in fact, can see the fact that Messiah has already come, and we can receive him now. And uh, that's, of course, a very important part of our message as Messianic Jews for part of the time that Messiah has come. We can receive him now. He's come to redeem us bring us forgiveness for us. And so even though we have a traditional Passover, there are aspects that we bring into it that are informed by our Messianic faith. Yeah. Our guest today is Lawrence Hirsch from Celebrate Messiah Australia. The Word for Today is Australia's most widely read daily devotional, designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au. Our guest today is Lawrence Hirsch, founder and executive director of Celebrate Messiah Australia. You mentioned that he came to redeem us, which is really the gospel message that Jesus came to save us, to save the lost. So how is the connection of the gospel seen in the Passover festival? Well, the whole idea of the word redemption, to be redeemed, is to be bought with a price. So the Israelites were slaves, and the only way you could free a slave is to pay the redemption price for whatever the master wanted. He kind of owned the slave. So if you want to set the slave free, you have to pay the master a price. That's the redemption price. And so the Israelites were slaves in Egypt to Pharaoh. And the price had to be paid to set them free. And in order for them to be redeemed, in the first part of the story, of course, God brought upon the Egyptians uh, ten plagues. And the tenth and the most terrifying plague was the death of the firstborn son. Mm. And so... The Israelites were told in order to avoid that plague, they had to sacrifice the lamb. They had to make sure that that lamb was spotless because Passover falls on the 14th of the month of Nisan, which is the Jewish month. But they were told that on the 10th of the month, they had to take a lamb and watch it for four days to make sure it was perfect. Every family had to take its own lamb. And on the 14th of the month, on the day of Passover, they had to sacrifice that lamb they had to take the blood of that lamb and paint their doorpost. And if they did that, the angel of death would pass over their house. Hmm. And so that's exactly what happened on that night of the 10th plague. 
the angel of death passed over the houses of Israel, but in the, the Egyptian homes, every firstborn son died, which was a tragedy, of course, a terrible event, and a result of, uh, of Pharaoh hardening his heart against God and not letting the people of Israel go, as he was asked by God and by Moses and Aaron. And so we look at the blood of those lambs that were killed in Egypt and their blood painted on the doorposts, and we, we draw a straight line, a parallel in sense, all the way to Jesus, as the New Testament says, is our Passover lamb who has been sacrificed for us. Yeah. Jesus, as we say in Hebrew, Yeshua died for us on the cross. His blood was shed. And we, in a sense, take his blood and apply it to our lives, to our doorposts of our hearts. And through faith in the Messiah, we pass over from death to life. The angel of death passes over us, and we have eternal life through faith in him. So there's a very clear connection and this whole idea of being redeemed by the blood of the Lamb all comes through the Passover story and the, the symbols of Passover. So mm. the gospel is beautifully portrayed in the Feast of Passover, as in fact the gospel is portrayed in all the other festivals of uh, Israel as well. Why did Jesus choose the Passover as his last supper with the disciples? Because he understood his mission. He came to give his life for us. As he uh, once said, no one takes my life from me, I, I give it up freely. And he also said that the Son of Man has not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So he knew that he had come to give his life. And in the whole plan of salvation, the Passover was the time for that to happen. And uh, so in the, that was the fullness of time. That was the completion of God's prophetic plan and his plan of redemption. So uh, it couldn't have been an ordinary meal and it couldn't have been a Sabbath meal or even a, a meal for any of the other festivals. It had to be the Passover time because it fulfills God's plan and, and prophecies. Uh, he knew that. And um, all the days running up to that event in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, all is building on this whole fulfilling of God's plan of salvation, even Jesus coming into Jerusalem in a triumphal entry and then being questioned by the rabbis in Jerusalem for four days in actual practice, like the lamb was watched for four days, so Jesus came into Jerusalem. And if you read in the Gospel of Matthew in particular, you see how people were throwing questions at him and testing him, and uh, he was answering questions, and he was being tested in a sense as the lamb of God yeah. without spot or blemish. And then he dies on Passover for our sins. So, yeah, it all fits in perfectly. The beautiful picture of the way stories across the Bible all link together as symbols. I find that so extraordinary, you know, the four days where they had the the lamb for Passover and the four days that he was questioned. You can just generally, you know, gloss over things in the Bible and not ever really understand the symbolism of them. I think it's very important for us to understand the context of uh, the gospel and uh, the context of, of any biblical truth in actual fact. Mm -hmm. And uh, certainly um, when you understand the historical context of the Passover and also the other festivals, because when Jesus rose from the dead early on the third day, that was the day of the first fruits. And Jesus rose on the day of first fruits, fulfilling the feast of first fruits. And then, of course, he, uh, he poured out his spirit upon the early believers at the Feast of Weeks, which is known in Christian tradition as the Feast of Pentecost. And so that was our pouring of the Holy Spirit came at the Feast of Pentecost. So all these festivals have a fulfillment in the Messiah. Mm. And so uh, nothing happened by chance. It's all part of God's plan of salvation. And uh, that's what I find very exciting. 
And in fact, I would not be a believer today if it wasn't for the fact that I could see how Yeshua fulfilled these prophecies and fulfilled these messianic expectations. Uh, and I, I really did check that out with my brother, Alan, who introduced me to the Lord. We had to be sure that, and I had to be satisfied that I understood that Jesus was the promised Messiah of Israel mm-hmm. who came to fulfill these prophecies. So he, he has fulfilled all the prophecies pertaining to the first coming of the Messiah, and there are still some prophecies to be fulfilled when he returns as the uh, King Messiah and bringing peace to the world. You've already mentioned the fact that that Last Supper, this time when Jesus actually took communion with his disciples. Can you take us back to that first time when that Last Supper took place, how that applies to us today? Yes, it's a very pivotal part of the Passover, where the communion or the Lord's Supper comes from. And uh, we believe that it came at a point after the meal. So in actual fact, during Passover time, we have four cups of wine. And the four cups the rabbis say are very important because they remind us of four promises that God made to the Israelites in Exodus chapter 6. And so the first cup is the Kiddush cup or the cup of sanctification. The second is the cup of plague. The third is the cup of redemption, and that's the cup that comes after supper. And the fourth cup is the cup of halal, or in English, the cup of praise. And so there's four cups. And if you read the Gospels, you see how Jesus took the cup at the beginning of the night, and he blessed the fruit of the vine. And then he also, it says in the Scriptures, took the cup after supper. The cup after supper is the cup of redemption. And, of course, Jesus takes that cup and he says, this is my blood which is shed for you. So no longer is it just a cup reminding us of the blood of those lambs in Egypt. Now Jesus is saying, this is my blood which is shed for you. The blood of the new covenant that God would make with these people, Israel. And then this covenant will be made also with all people from other nations as well who would come to faith in the Messiah. And so it fits in at that part of the Passover. And also, before you actually drink that cup, you take a piece of matzah. And after supper, the first piece of matzah that you take is this little piece of matzah, which is called the afikumen, which is a piece of matzah that was hidden away and was buried somewhere in the house. And then the children have to find it, and the one who finds it is given a gift and it's retrieved. And that matzah is given to all the people at the house, around the table, and everyone eats that matzah. And again, we believe it was that piece of matzah that Jesus took, and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Whenever you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. So no longer is it just a piece of matzah reminding us of the lambs in Egypt, but it now reminds us of Jesus, our perfect lamb, because the matzah, because by the way, matzah is unleavened bread, mm-hmm. And leaven in the Bible was always a symbol of sin. And so the unleavened bread is a symbol of Jesus. Yeah. The Messiah was perfect. That's why he said, this is my body. He couldn't really actually take a loaf of bread that is risen you know, with yeast and leaven and say, this is my body, because that's symbolically not accurate. He took the unleavened bread, said, this is my body, which is given for you, my sinless body, that I will take upon myself your sins. I'll be crushed and pierced for your transgressions, as it's prophesied in Isaiah chapter 53. And so he then gives his disciples a piece of this matzah to eat. And so they do. And that's where we get the Lord's Supper or communion from, uh, eating that piece of matzah and then drinking the third cup, the cup of redemption. It fits into the entire story of Passover, but we've now pulled that part out. And of course, 
every Christian tradition might be a little different as to how often they celebrate the Lord's Supper. Yeah. Can I ask why matzah was hidden and why the children found it and then were given a gift? What's the significance of that? We have a deeper meaning and a deeper fulfillment. I thought there must have been one. <laughs> you take the matzah and you wrap it up in a white cloth and Jesus died on the cross. They took him down. And it actually says in the Bible that they wrapped him in white linen and buried him in the tomb. Yeah. And just as the piece of matzah is hidden in the room somewhere, so Jesus was hidden in the tomb for three days and three nights. Then he also is retrieved. He came back from the dead, just like this matzah is found and, and comes back into the Seder. The whole teaching of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, even in this tradition of the Afikumen. That is so Beautiful. good. Well, unfortunately, we've run out of time and there's probably so much more we could talk about, but this is so rich and we thank you so very much for being with us today. Well, that's really a pleasure and I, I do uh, wish all the listeners a happy Passover, a happy Easter and uh, may we really come to love Jesus all the more because of all that he has done for us. Thank you so very much. Our guest today was Lawrence Hirsch, founder and executive director of Celebrate Messiah Australia. To find out more about their ministry, including a virtual Passover, go to their website at celebratemessiah.com.au. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you have been encouraged to view Easter in a richer way this year as we reflect on the death, burial and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. On behalf of the team here at Focus, we wish you and your family a very happy Easter. To listen again and find more helpful Easter resources, go to our website families.org.au Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au